Welcome to Manga Marathon, where we equate reading Japanese comic books to a real-life, mentally and physically strenuous sporting event. Yeah. That's, uh... I've uh, never ran a marathon in my life. <laughs> no, I've barely ran races, but... I've run, I've, I've, I've run in equivalent of a mile, but never, um, you know, a marathon. Over the course of my life, I've run a mile. Cumulatively, mm -hmm. walking <laughs> around and around. No, no, actual, actual running, just oh. not a mile at a time. Just, but I'm sure the amounts of times that I've ran eventually add up to a mile. Huh. And so, but yeah, this is Manga Marathon, where we open with terrible jokes, and this is episode three. Yes, pretty certain it's three. Um, where we are going to cover My Hero Academia, Volume 2. So, last week you heard us talk about My Hero Academia, Volume 1, and this week we will continue the series with Volume 2, where the big question of any manga series is, does it get better or does it get worse, or are we going to have to wait 50 volumes before we realize this is a steaming pile of turd? 50 volumes, all right, who's talking about? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the 50 volumes for that particular series, really, we could have gone the heads up, but some people already got the heads up and dropped out before it even went to the next, um... Yeah, well... Well, just in, yeah, just in general, it's kind of that you invest yourself into a series and then suddenly you realize, hey, this isn't very good. So, that's... Well, as someone who's been keeping up with the series before it started getting volumes, I can say it's going to actually start getting good in volume too. Yes. Indeed. So, what we got here is... Okay, well, with Volume 2, let's go ahead and start into it. So, this is one where we're already inside, you know, the school. And, well, we're going to see them in action, as it were. They're going to... There's going to be a test, a battle simulation, where... One team of two plays the villains, and one team of two plays the heroes. It's sort of meant to give you an idea of the mindset of villains, and as well as well as practice how to, you know, how to work in a sort of hostage or bomb situation. And with this one, it's yeah. I think <laughs> I really like this setup just because it's. For one, it gives us a, uh, you know, the confrontation between Bakugo and Deku, which was kind of really, you know, which you really feel has been coming ever since um, Bakugo discovered that Deku has a quirk now. And so he's been, he's kind of furious because he thinks that Deku has been hiding the quirk from him for so long. Mm. And that, you know, he was just making a fool of him and everything. So he's kind of furious and he's just, well... His usual response is, I will beat the crap out of you. And so, we get our first big confrontation between Deku and Bakugo, which ties a lot into their, you know, their past, where we find out that they were, in fact, you know, they used to be friends. Um, and then Bakugo just always kind of had that sort of, you know, that sort of, you know, the competent personality. He always, you know, everything came easily to him, right? And so, whether it be skipping stones across a lake, or whether it be getting a quirk, it's just, you know, 
he just grew up being used to, you know, being better than everyone else. And then, you know, after he found out that Deku doesn't have a quirk, he said, oh, he's not awesome. But then you get sort of, but then you still also get sort of these little inklings of, you know, who Deku actually is, you know, even as a kid, when um, Bakugo falls into a river and his other friends are like, oh man, nah, he's tough, he's he's alright. And meanwhile, Bakugo, you kind of get, uh, yeah, you kind of get his reaction where he's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. You know, there's kind of this moment where he's like, man, I'm not okay. But then he's like, oh, wait, I better keep up appearances. And yeah, I'm totally okay. And then you see that Deku is the only one that actually, you know, that actually um, came down to help him. And it turns out that that actually pisses him right the frick off because he hates the thought that someone who is weaker than him thinks that he needs saving, which ties back into the first volume, the first chapter, where Bakugo actually did in fact need saving. Very, very much lots of saving. All the savings. He should have applied to Geico. I'll shut up. They'll save fifty percent or more in car insurance. We'll save you fifty percent or more on your life. Oh shit, you're half dead. <laughs> I I don't know where I was going with this. Well, uh, yeah, Geico. I don't know where. Yeah, I yeah. So, so overall, so so we're discussing premise the the premise the first half of this volume is is about Deku and Bakugo's um. Would it be a right to say rivalry or more like their conflict? It's well, it's definitely conflict, and conflict. it is also rivalry. But the thing that I'm finding is that it's not really so much about, you know, I'm going to over surpass you because uh, you know, etc. and blah 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 and all that. I think it has a lot more to do with just their, you know, um, it's more to do with kind of their relationship as former friends as it were, mm -hmm. where there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the past that needs to be addressed. And even though we're just finding out about a lot of that stuff right now, it still is very much, you know, this is a necessary confrontation between the two of them. And what I like about it is how it kind of shows us that, you know, Bakugo is, you know, he's on the verge of, you know, he's kind of on the verge of villainy, you know? And I think it's All Might that says, you know, All Might that points out later on that Bakugo is kind of, you know, he's he's kind of, he could go either way, honestly, you know. He's just cruel and mean enough that he could easily become a villain. And so we're kind of getting a character here where, you know, this early on, we're not sure whether he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy. And so, which, you know, I kind of like that because... We don't get much good from him, you know? We usually, what we get from him is he's a complete and utter jerk, and that's about it, you know? We don't really get much of a, very many redeeming qualities, at least not in this volume, for certain. And so, it's, it does very much feel like, yeah, this guy's gonna turn out to be a bad guy, or whatnot. And it, it's very much like, you know, like other, certain other characters in certain other series that could talk about where they go from good guy to bad guy, etc. and so on. But with this case, it's, 
I don't know. Reading this makes me curious. How is, you know, how is this going to play out? Is he, are we going to see him turn bad and then turn good again? Or turn bad and stay bad? Or is he going to get character development that goes from him being a complete hothead who doesn't think twice about hurting someone to someone that is not that? So we'll see in future volumes, but for now, this is kind of what we got. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Bago, he, um, his character is really hard for many people to define. And if I recall, um, reading through it, um, when I first, when I first read it, um, men, for many people who probably read, who read, who seen Bago for the first time, they go, they, they see Bako and, and Deku's, um, uh, friendship, rivalry, their former friends thing on it, and they think of one particular series that comes up, and I just go, I didn't even think of that, I thought of something else, but Bako's more of, um, he's more of the guy that's on the verge, like he's on the verge of either being a hero or becoming a villain. But, the funny thing about Bako is that, he never felt like he could become a villain. I mean, he does seem like he's doing things that's so really you know, out of out of hand in some ways. But he's just really, really explosive about what he wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> he's just um. It's just when it comes to when it comes to Deku, when it comes to Izuku, he just gets really, really, really competitive. Really competitive because, as you said, when in in their past when Deku never had his quirk ever um come out in the first place. Bago believed that he was better than, that he was better than Deku better than just everyone, you know, that that hilarious picture of him as a kid, I'm better than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This freaking four years old. I'm better than everyone. And like it just really got to him. And it's good that he believed himself. He's very narcissistic about that in, in that sort of way. But um He's definitely always seen Deku as a rival in some ways too, from from most of it, because you know, like he always seems to pick on Deku. Deku's always following him around those times. But then when you know, like I said, when Bakugo fell when he was a kid, and Deku tried to help him out. He thought Deku was looking down on him, mm. like like I don't need your help. I'm already better than you. Why do I need help from you? Yeah. Or your kid, man. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that I'm. uh I think a lot of Bakugo's um, character motivation um, or his behaviors in these first volumes, especially in volume one, mm-hmm. comes because he's challenging Deku's, um, you know, determination to become a hero. Because it's like that's every time that he really gets angry at Deku is in regards to Deku has said something along the lines of, yeah, I can, you know, I'm still going to try. I can still become a hero and such. And so that always, you know, that's always what makes him angry. So every so the um so the conflict in their interaction, the antagonism does come down to I am, you know, you're you know, you're weak. How can you say that you're gonna become a hero? I will challenge you on this. And it just gets you know, it just gets it gets um it it gets larger. It builds upon itself. Once Deku, um, you know, reveals his new quirk, which Bakugo thinks that Deku has had the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a way it's very much that Bakugo is thinking, 
okay, well, here's this guy that's always been saying, I'm going to become a hero, and he didn't have a quirk, but then it turns out that secretly he did have a quirk, so he was making fun of me or whatnot, and though I'm like, dude, I don't think that he would be making fun of you by allowing you to bully him. That's kind of ridiculous. But I think one thing that uh, is important to keep in mind is that when talking about whether Bakugo is going to be a good or a bad guy, the thing to keep in mind is he's a 15-year-old boy, you know? He is, and as much as, you know, Deku is very much, you know, it's very admirable for how, um, you know, just for how determined, for how um, certain he is of what's right and what's wrong, the thing is, is that as a teenager, especially as a 15-year-old, where you still got three years of being a teenager left, and then a couple years of thinking you're an adult and then realizing you don't know jack sh squat, <laughs> oh. self-censored myself there, but it's very much, I think a lot of times, and this comes touches on a lot of the reasons why people will complain about the behavior of manga characters. A lot of times what I feel is that the readers are um, inserting themselves into the position of the character in so much that they are bringing their own life experience into um, the character's situation. Uh, in many cases, if it's like us, adults who are reading manga, and we're looking at the struggles of a 15-year-old that is trying, for example, a, uh, a high school romance series. We're like, oh, come on, you're being ridiculous. Just ask her out. What's the worst that could happen, etc. You have blah, no blah, idea. Yeah, and it's like, the thing, but the thing is, is that this is adults or people that are older than the characters looking at it and saying, look, you're being ridiculous. You just got to go for it, you know? Just, you know, don't. All the worries that you have or the fears that you have, they're ridiculous, you know? But to the character and to the us or many of us at that age, those worries and those concerns and those problems were a very big part of our lives. And in this case, you've got very much the character that, um, you know, that he's he's a complete jerk, but at the same time, he doesn't really know better, per se. I feel like it's when you're um, at the age that these characters are at, it's very much a case of everything is, you know, it's, it's like mo emotions in manga. It's either, it's, you know, there's, there's no subtlety, there's no in-between, and I'm talking specifically about shonen action manga. There's rarely much subtlety. It's very much explosive highs or crushing lows when it comes to emotions in uh, shonen manga. And I feel that that's how it actually is for these characters. You know, everything is awesome or everything is terrible is usually the way things go. There's, I don't really feel like, or at least in my memory, I don't really ever feel like there was much of a sense of contentment. It's like everything was big and important because a lot of times it was something that I experienced for the first time. And so for me, at least, controlling controlling my temper as a kid, as a teenager, was very difficult. And so it's very much a case of, you know, here's a character that if this were an adult acting like he, um, like uh, Bakugo does, if it was an adult, you'd be like, yeah, total villain, total jerk, total um, bad guy. But keep in mind, 
we're dealing with a 15-year-old kid here. So I think, you know, there's a lot of room for the character to develop, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know, but I think the standout is Ida in this section. Just because he's trying so hard to get into the villain mindset to learn. And his big villainous plan is he cleans the floor. Because he's like, Aha, I've enacted a counter-strategy to your ability, Uraraka. By cleaning the floor, there's nothing here for you to levitate. And I'm like, it just seems like such a ridiculous, stupid, villainous plan. But at the same time, it's actually really smart. Because he's like, yeah, what are you going to float now? Makes me, makes me think about what kind of villains just come across and they, they know her powers. Like, I know your power. I you see, the floor is clean. You see, just like, oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, yeah, they still managed to, um... Yeah, they still managed, they managed to get through and then Deku and Uraraka managed to work together to, um, you know, to, uh, complete the training exercise by capturing the fake nuclear bomb that was, you know, that the villains were guarding. So, and, yeah, Bakugo has kind of a bit of a mental breakdown as he realized that he completely lost to Deku. Like, entirely. And this is the big character-defining, well, one of the big character-defining moments as he suddenly realizes, hey, wait a minute, I lost to Deku, something's not right. My previous, you know, preconceived notions of, of my life aren't quite matching up at the moment, you know? So, so you know, he has to start rethinking things. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like the... And then we, of course... What I really like about this is, um, I'm really used to this whole idea of a school, a high school or school setting in fiction where either the main character is the least popular character or the or they're kind of just whatever you know they have their friends but the other kids in the class are kind of you know ignore them or the other kids in the class hate them uh, an example of the latter being naruto where pretty much all of the kids think naruto is a piece of garbage right and then yeah, yeah and then naruto has to struggle throughout the majority of the series to get them to start thinking, hey, maybe he's not so worthless. Or maybe it's a case of, you know, you got the main character, but then all the si- the other kids in the class are non-characters. They don't matter, right? What I really like about this is that the, I don't know, all of the classmates, they all pretty much, they like Deku, right? You know, after seeing how we well... run around screaming and all this. Yeah. And as we see later on, there it turns out that they all like Deku and kind of hate Bakugo, which I think is absolutely hilarious because Deku is just kind of having a, an existential crisis as he realizes that Bakugo is getting bullied by the rest of the class. And he's like, wait, what? This, this doesn't make any sense, man. But, yeah, I absolutely, yeah, I just, I really like this idea of, you know, here's a kid that he's had a rough, rough, rough childhood. And now he's got all the, and now all the other kids in his class are, you know, they're friendly. What I, I do feel that it is worth considering the fact that it's because of, well, 
I don't even know if it's really because of his power so much. It's not like they're, whoa, he has an amazing power. Look at him. I think it has a lot more to do because he doesn't really use his power all that much in the test. Deku, you mean, right? Deku, yeah. yeah because, because he just got it and he's just still learning to control it. Learning yeah. to it. Yeah, so because initially what I was thinking, oh, they just like him because he has a quirk like them, a bunch of hypocrites. But then I started thinking about it. No, the reason why they're all, you know, why they're all, you know, drawn to him is not because of his amazing power. It has a lot to, you know, it has a lot to do with, um, with his determination, you know, like his, it's with his personality, you know, they see how determined he is to succeed and how hard he fights and everything. And they're drawn to that. So it's not the power. It's his actual personality that they're drawn to. And so they see, you know, they've seen him, what he's like, you know, when the chips are on the table, when, you know, when it's time to throw down or lay down, etc. and all that. But, you know, so I really like that, that idea that, hey, here's a character that's had an awful time, and now he's in, you know, now he's in a place where things are good. You know, he's happier. He's in a place where he can be happier, and people like him. I also like, I'm also kind of get a kick out of what's her face the uh the girl with the dark skin, black eyes and the horn weird the horns. yeah, I just love how she just won't shut up about how well he dodges <laughs> and I'm like uh okay, it's like at first I was like, wait, nice dodging, who said that? Wait, no, she said dodging, and then the previous time she also mentioned it, okay, she's got a thing for dodging. But, yeah, and I also like the uh, confrontation between Deku and Bakugo, where Deku reveals that he got his power from, um, you know, where he got his power from, or he says that it was given to him, and Bakugo doesn't actually really believe him. He thinks that Deku's messing with him. But I, it's it's the moment where he says that he realizes, you know, that he's that he's messed up, you know. It's the child prodigy coming to college and realizing that life isn't something that you can just coast through on, you know, just on what you've done before, you know. Someone that's, you know, always done well in school and never had to really work hard, and then they, in high school, and then they come to college and they realize, wait, that isn't working. I actually have to work really hard to actually succeed here. It's like how the majority of us try to just. You know, what's the word? BS through high school. They the call and they go, oh, we can't just be ourselves working anymore. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. It's very much that, you know, coming into the real world and realizing that, you know, it's not all about, you know, your innate ability. It, it comes down to how hard you work, and that's where Deku has the advantage because he's worked hard his entire life because he's been at a disadvantage. It's, uh,. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make a comment about Naruto. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to comment Deku about Naruto. Deku <laughs> muscles through moving yes. all that trash. Mm -hmm. He worked hard. Bakugo was given his his ability, but Deku, um, Deku had to work hard, you know? Just to get his power, he had to work hard, and now he's going to have to work hard to um to succeed in it. I really like this you, the way Bakugo... I like his story in that I'm not a huge fan of your typical you know, the prodigy character, you know, with, let's say, for a certain series that I told myself I would not mention, but 
where you've got a certain character who never struggles, like ever. It's always about it's everything always comes easy to them the entire series long, and then you kind of get to the end and you think, well, why why is this an interesting character? He never had to struggle. It was I don't know. It was like well struggle due to other circumstances, but he never had to work hard. You know, it was always, I am a prodigy, and I am gaining all these powers easily that our main character has to struggle to get, and yeah, it's like, that's not interesting storytelling. What's interesting is taking that prodigy character, and then saying, okay, um... Make his ego, make him rethink his, make him rethink his life. <laughs> exactly, you know, make him... <laughs> You gotta take him and say, hey, you're a prodigy, but guess what? Life isn't that, you know, life isn't easy. It's not going to continue to be easy just because you're prodigy at this age. Because eventually, the hardworking people are going to surpass you. And it's very much the story of the tortoise and the hare. The hare is the prodigy, the one that, no that runs really well. And so he says, oh, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy. And then the tortoise, who never stops walking and never quits the race and, and never takes a break, keeps going and surpasses the hare. It gets to the point where he's so far ahead of the hare that all of the hare's natural ability and prodigy isn't going to get win him the race. And I think that's very much the case with prodigy characters. And that's why I like how Bakugo has that moment where he realizes, you know, I can't just coast by on natural ability. I have to actually become better. I have to work hard. And so, and that's where we see his, you know, his motivation. And so, and he's saying that, you know, he's telling all my, you know, I'll be a hero who surpasses even you. Yeah. Yeah, he says all my, all my, oh, oh, that's good. I'm like, oh, you sure? I guess that's good. I mean... But, because, if, if it was anyone else that was actually in charge of overseeing the, uh, the hero villain training with, um, with, with, with them, if it was not, if it was not All Might, uh, the fight would, would have been, would have ended really fast, and Baku would have been possibly, well, at the worst it fell, but possibly just suspended and, you know, for, not berated, but I guess talked down to and saying, hey, you gotta control your anger, you can't be going around, like, trying to kill your, your classmate. No, all my he sees is like ah, this boy. He has something to him. He's he's a bit really mean spirit and such, but he has promise. <laughs> yeah, he's on the tipping point, as it were. And I think the thing is, is if the fight had have been started, uh, had have been stopped, both characters, both Deku and Bakugo, would have been worse off. Mm -hmm. Um, for example. Deku would not have gotten that important victory that he really needed. The He wouldn't have, you know, the rest of the class wouldn't have seen him for who he really is and been, you know, and thought, hey, here's, this is a cool guy. Ergo, it would have been a lot harder for him to, you know, either make friends or become friendly with the rest of the class. And Bakugo would have, I mean, the most likely outcome for Bakugo is that he wouldn't have realized, you know, he would have, you know, his, the takeaway for him would have been, Oh, Deku's a weakling. He's so weak he had to be saved. You know, Deku would have been painted as a victim in oh, that situation. Oh, he's yes, he would. 
Yeah, and it's like, you know, just in general, everyone would be like, oh, you know, we feel bad for you, Deku. You know, you got, you were bullied by that jerk and everything. And, you know, the interaction would have been based off of the fact that people feel bad for him, you know, which is not a great place to be. You want to be in a place where people see you for your skills and abilities and admire you for those rather than being, oh, this poor guy, he's, you know, he's had a hard time. Let's be nice to him, you know? It's like it's, you can't really build a real friendship off of that. You have to be able to come from a position of equality, right? You know, a friendship has to be between equals, and so it's really difficult for the character to become friends with everyone else if he is not an, on equal standing as them or if they're not on equal standing as him. You know, if they pity him, it's, you know, there's always going to be that, oh, you know, he's a good guy, but, uh, yeah... He's, you know, we we feel bad for him because of, you know, what happens. So, and Bakugo would have ended up being in a position where he doesn't learn the important lesson. The lesson of, you know, hey, wait a minute, I lost. I did what I normally do and I lost. So, is what I normally do not supposed to work? I Because if it had been stopped, it would have been like, well, I was, obviously I was winning and I what I was doing was right. I was doing it the right way because I was doing what I always do. They just had to stop it because Baku, um, because Deku was just so weak. He can't handle all of me. You know, he would have taken it as a, hey, I'm awesome, and nothing would have changed. So, in a way, one might say, all, all might. might actually made that made that made that part of the 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 battle actually way more important than we thought. Yeah, he did the right thing. I mean. On the surface, you might say, All Might, that's really irresponsible. You should stop this. But as far as the outcomes go, he made the right decision to let it keep going. You probably just look at Deku, hmm. Hmm. But then you look at Baku, hmm. Now I gotta let you go. <laughs> yeah. Can't stop this. <laughs> Boys must grow. Do, 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 do. Mentally, do, do. physically, do, do. psychologically, do, do. and spiritually. I, uh, the other one is. <laughs> I'm not entirely certain that spiritually spirituality comes into this series at the moment. <laughs> like, turns out there's an entire chapter of them going to church or going and meditating and or whatnot, and I'm just like, uh... Oh, the rules the very first weird. chapter start off with, with, how the, with how the powers, with, with how all the quirks came first um, originated with uh, some baby that all growing and stuff. Hmm. It was it bioluminescence or something? So, what? bioluminescent baby, wasn't it? Yes, the first word. Yeah. Can you just imagine if that was the extent of their quirk? It's like, yeah, I glow. I'm the first quirk person with a quirk, and I glow. Whoop de frickin' do. He's a walking flashlight, like Mr. Burns in the same a lifetime of working at a nuclear power plant has given me a healthy green glow and left me as impotent as a new something-something boxing commissioner. New England boxing commissioner? I think that's what it was. I don't know. I haven't watched that episode in Oh, forever. my God. That was so hilarious. It's, I know. It's still on the, it's still on the X-Files. Like, yeah. Yes. The X-Files guest starring yeah. in it. Yeah. It was, it was like, Ugh, it's a monster. Kill it. It's like, it's not a monster. It's Mr. Burns. Oh, it's Mr. Burns. Kill it! Kill it! <laughs> oh, so we could do an entire. You could do an entire podcast on The Simpsons. 
Oh, that's not. I want to. I want to do a podcast on The Simpsons. Oh. It'd be like an hour of me just quoting the lines from the entire, from a single episode. Somehow spending an hour doing that instead of on a half-hour show. I'm not sure how I accomplished that. But anyway, uh, shall we move on? We've got the next section is, well, they run into the press, which, yeah, if you're not a fan of the media, this part will kind of annoy you a lot. Like a super lot. And, yeah, so basically the press have found out that, excuse me, I've got the hiccups here. All right, so basically the press have found out that All Might is uh, teaching at UA at the school, and they, you know, they want to, you know, that's news. That's newsworthy. It's like Superman teaching at a high school. Uh, they want to know, you know, they want a scoop. What a scoop, and we've got our... <laughs> oh, Batman teaching at a high school. Yeah, they'd be like... Yeah, they're like, wait a minute, why is Batman teaching at a high school? Or even In better yet, <laughs> yeah, or better yet, why is Bruce Wayne teaching at a high school? Also, what does this have to do with anything? This is weird. No, but I do like how there's kind of like this one single reporter um, lady that's sort of singled out. And I'm just kind of thinking, oh, hello, potential Lois Lane, who shows up like once. I don't know, I just got a kick out of that, where it's like, oh, hey, look, it's, it would be hilarious if, like, 30 volumes down the road, it turns out that, hey, this is All Might's girlfriend, we, what, we didn't tell you? Like, what, you know he's Superman, obviously he must have a girlfriend who's a reporter. Nothing Not, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why anyone would think there'd be something wrong with that. I don't know. It's like Tor it's like what Toriyama did, where he has a character who is in his in who's in like several decades worth of his manga, and then suddenly she hooks up with a brand new character who just shows up random, who just shows up after she's been in the series for like ever. Yeah, who are you talking about? Uh, Bulma and Vegeta. Oh yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. I read somewhere that that that, that he that he made that he he. He just did that just to like uh make the worst. <laughs> what he just was just paired up because it's one make the worst thing ever, and somehow it's going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> I know it's kind of I hilarious. Know. I mean, that's the funny thing. I, that's the funny thing is, is that normally I am, I'm a huge advocate of if a major character is going to fall in love with someone, that other person has to be introduced very early on. So normally you'd think with this, I'd be like, what? This is dumb. Why are you doing this? But at the same time, I'm kind of like. Yeah, well, I've seen worse romance, <laughs> but, and actually, and then the anime just, the different anime versions kind of just take it and go with it, and you're like, hey, this is actually kind of, an, this is actually kind of adorable, especially what was it, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, so, now it's time for something incredibly important. They have to choose a class president. Like any normal high school. Yeah, it's like such a normal school-like thing. And then everyone just volunteers. They all want to be class president because it's, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's like be, almost like being a valedictorian in this case where it shows, you know, it shows um, that, you know, that you're, you're more competent than the rest or something. You know, it's a very good, 
learning experience for someone that wants to become the number one hero. And so, but then Ida says um, that they have to do they have to do an election, and everyone's like, okay, everyone's just gonna you know we don't know each other enough to vote to trust anyone. And then he's like, well, yeah, that's why if somebody manages to get more than one vote, i.e. their own, then they're the ones that are suited to become the class president. And then it turns out that Deku realizes that at the end, he's like, he got three votes. And he's like, wait, what? Seriously? And then I love it, like, Bakugo's like, who, who voted for him? And then Uraraka's like, well, better not. She's just, like, sort of, like, looking away and whistling and hoping he doesn't know it's her. Feels like Gatsu would just like that. That was just funny about. Yeah, I I love her expressions. She's she's really good for funny expressions. Um, also, Ida realizes that he got zero votes, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and he's just like, yeah, and Yao. Uh, how do you say this? Yao Yorozu. What's her first name? Yao Yorozu. Oh, Momo. Momo. Oh, thank goodness. Oh yeah. Momo. She will always be known as Momo because I am not pronouncing that last name. But, yeah, she says, so you voted for someone else, huh? And, yeah, so she, so Momo is the vice president and Deku is the president and he cannot believe his mind. <laughs> oh, man. And then we, yep, so we learn a little bit more about Ida, who turns out that his entire family is heroes. And based on their armor designs, it's implied that they, um, it's implied that, I don't know, do you get the impression... I mean, we know that his, uh, let's see, the turbo hero in Genium is his brother. So that implies that his brother also runs fast. And based off of the armor of what I assume is his, let's see, his brother, his grandfather, I think, and his father and mother. Or, I think long hair. Huh? I think one of them long hair. Yeah, like... I think that's his mother. Well... It's either his mother or maybe a sister, but I think it's his mother. They're all wearing very similarly themed armor, which all kind of gives me the impression that the... I mean, it's not strictly said, but it gives me the impression that, um, you know, that they're all speed-based, which I think is kind of interesting because so... I just know the grandfather. <laughs> yeah. He just like okay. I'm a K. I can still run. <laughs> like I can still run faster than you, you whippersnapper. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, you've got super speed. That doesn't go away even as an old person. You're like moderately faster than me now. Even I don't even have superpowers. An old man, he still runs fast. Any of us. Yeah, I. I really like the designs of their armor. It's very um. Let's see. What am I thinking? Common Rider? Is that what I'm thinking? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Common I think Rider. it's Common Rider. They're the ones that have more armor than the uh, Sentai, right? Oh no, yeah. not that's. Uh, what is it? No wait, aren't the everything's called Sentai, but Common Rider is the one with armor versus the ones that the Power Rangers are based off of, and I can't remember what that one. Those are called. Common Rider, are the ones with the really weird names for each of their um, uh, alter egos. Yeah. I need to I need to watch some more of that. Super Sentai is like they're all very colorful. <laughs> yeah, I think with um yeah they're it, I do get more of a common writer kind of feel from them. I'm not sure common writer some giant Megazord or whatever. I know I know Super Sentai does that. That's where Power Rangers originates from. Yeah, I I really need to watch some of these series, but there's no place that I can find to watch them. I know Crunchyroll has um a couple um 
a couple of different Ultraman series, which I'm kind of thinking, I should check that out, but I'd really like the Super Sentai and the Kamen Rider stuff, just to kind of, you know, I'd like to see what they're... Okay, Kamen Rider are the ones that look like bugs, basically. Oh, there you go, yeah. But they also have armor, so... Um, uh, oh, 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 I know what I'm thinking of. VR Troopers. Oh, I never heard of that. It's, well... The VR Troopers is, it's, they're kind of Power Rangers, this, except they have armor. And let's see, what were they, uh, what were they based on? They're based off of a Tokusatsu series, um, early CGN and the early stock footage. From the three different, oh, Metal Hero series. Superhuman Machine, Metalder, Dimensional Warder, Spielban, and Space... Sheriff Scheider. <laughs> okay. I think that's what I, that's what they remind me of the most. They've got that kind of like, you know, metallic armor looking to them. So, for me that I that's kind of what they remind me of the most. But basically, what I'm trying to say half an hour later is that Ida's the design of Ida's family is very much the traditional sort of Japanese superhero look where with American superheroes, it's very much, you know, capes and spandex. Well, not so much capes, but a lot of spandex, a lot of skin-tight uniforms, not very much armor, although later on that you get a little bit more armor. With, um, and masks, very much masks. Um, with a lot of the Japanese um, superheroes uh, type characters, what you get is a lot of, um, you get a lot of, uh, Whatchamacallit. Yeah, you get a lot of, you know, it's either armor or skin-tight outfits, but rather than masks, what they what they have is they have helmets, right? And so that's kind of the general feel that I'm getting from them. They're very much a more Japanese-inspired design, as opposed to a lot of the others, like All Might and so on. So, yep. You still there, Mo? All right, well, carrying on. Um, we then get... Oh, there you are. I'm here. Yeah, so anyway, did you have anything you wanted to add to, about the design of Ida's family? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I think when I saw it, I actually did think of a certain manga series that, um... Uh, Zetman. Oh. Well, the main character, his suit looks just looks sim looks similar to that. Yeah, I, yeah I, th I can see that. That's actually, I was like, oh, okay, but some people who read another series called Kame Ga Hiru, they think of, um, uh, what was that one called? Oh my god, it's, it's the main character's, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. Oh, I don't care uh, about that series. It looks just like that too, but yeah, it, but for me, it just looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a suit, he actually has a mask on. Yeah. And it's like, well, the detective armor is like, we just run fast. Why? Oh, okay, of course. Yeah, you kind of... Bulldoze through things like really fast. Yeah, that both armor. It kind of makes sense because you're like, yeah, you know how when you're on a motorcycle, you're meant to wear a helmet, and then like, the uh, the best idea is to wear protective leather jackets and pants. This is kind of the same idea. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's very much I do kind of like that sort of like you know modern armor look to them. It's like a lot of times it's like you know it's not you know, power armor or anything like that. It's just armor. 
with a modern design sensibility to it. It looks heroic. It does, yeah. And based off of what I can see, I think the dad wears a cape. None of the others have a cape. He's just like, I will wear a cape. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But, yeah. So, but then, like, the rest of this, the rest of this specific chapter is, there's an alarm, and so everyone panics, and Ida realizes, hey, wait a minute. It's not the, there's nothing wrong, it's just that somehow the press have gotten past the, uh, have gotten past the security, and now I am being pressed against this window. Ha ha ha. I don't care. I'm owning that joke. Screw you guys. I thought that joke was awesome. Anyway, he then uses, help, uses the help from Uraraka, and manages to get everyone's attention by imitating... <laughs> by imitating the little man in an exit sign and telling everyone, hey, it's fine. There's nothing to be afraid of. At first I didn't get what he was doing, but then I realized, oh, it's, he's, he's, he's doing the guy in the, you know, in the, in this exit sign, you know, that's like, has his arms and legs like he's walking, but it looks so weird. And that, that gets everyone's attention pretty good. So... Yeah, and then after that, everyone realizes, hey, wait a minute, you actually might be better suited for the job. Let's make you class president. And it's actually Deku that says, yeah, you know, he'd be a better choice. <laughs> and I like Eraserhead. He's just like, whatever, get up, just get on with it. What a waste of time. And so, yeah. And then it turns out, yeah, he gets... And this is the story of how Ida becomes class president. And also get, yeah, and also gets himself a new nickname. He is now Exit Sign Ida. So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a fun little it's a fun little in between chapter. It's kind of a hey, I probably could have just had had Ida be elected class president, but I gotta have a chapter for this weekend. This seems like a fun enough idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in if I were writing a uh, you know, if this were a book that I was writing I'd probably say, "Hey, we'd better um, we'd better cut this. You know, this isn't you know, we're this is kind of a waste of time. We just need to just have him be elected, and you're good." But at the same time, I do feel that it does provide some um some good character context. You know, it sort of gives us a better idea of who Ida is, and which is important because he was introduced in a somewhat negative light um when he was first introduced, and it's part of why I think Ida is such a fun character is because he's an example of, hey, first impressions aren't always, you know, the last impressions. You know, they're not always the most important thing. It's what's important is how who someone actually is, not how they acted that one time you met them for the first time. So, and I think, Mo, did you, um, I know that you wanted us to uh, talk a bit more about Ida. I think this is probably a good time uh, for us to kind of go into his character a little bit more? Or maybe not. Alright, let's move on. Or maybe I can stall long enough for Mo to show up again. Mm. Yeah. I apologize for this, people. We kind of have a rule of if something is happening on the other end to distract, we put our mics on mute, which, given that there's only two of us here, that means that I am left to sail this boat till the end. 
Oh look, a waterfall. We are going off the waterfall. We're off the deep end. I'm in charge now. There's nobody to stop me from being stupid. I hope you like stupid entertainment. I am running out of things to say. Alright, anyway, for now I'll go ahead and after I am done making a jack a jack donkey for myself. Uh, I, don't know, I just really like that the word that I was going to say, but I'm trying to keep a clean rating, so I'll just say that after I was done making a jackalope of myself, let's go ahead and move on a little bit. We'll talk a little bit. Let's see, we get a fun little scene with, um, where you get to see some of the other heroes being absolutely incompetent. Like, I don't think I've ever seen any of them do, a, you know, successfully be superheroes. Like, not even in during that, well, the first time when they were first introduced, but then every every time after that any of the act, any of the actual heroes are introduced, they end up be looking like complete jerks because they are so useless, where it's like, "Oh no, we can't stop this guy, he's too fast and too strong, and Mount Lady is like, "I um, yeah, I'm kind of useless here. All I do is grow large and He's got hostages. What am I going to do? But, all right. Oh, hey, Mo, you're back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. No worries. Um, did you want to add anything about Ida's character? I know that last episode you were wanting to talk about him a bit more, and so I thought that since... Oh, my goodness. Ida, he... Okay. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, over time, he, he does become more of a... Well, as you all know, the premise of the main trio is... Deku, Uraraka, and Ida. So he does become more um, prevalent later on in the series, and his um, okay, the way he, the way um, Hori Koshi makes him, he seems at first I know uh, he's very literally the word is quirky. Yeah, he's quirky. Yeah, he has a quirk, and he's quirky. <laughs> oh man, he just. I mean, the way the way Uraraka puts it best during the hero training, he's so serious. Yeah, he is. He's <laughs> yeah. Carry on. That, that, that that's that's the. I mean, I I know more, but you know, I just things just fly over my head. They things just come to me. I just can't just say the things that supposed to come out of me. All right, fair enough. I should have written notes. <laughs> yeah, notes tend to be helpful. I've read. Here's the thing, I've written notes before, and I never look at them. But when I need them, I don't have them. That's usually how it turns out, yeah. Well, <laughs> structure? What's that? Whoa. No, yeah, maybe if I make, keep making stupid voices and sounds, maybe people will mistake it for entertainment. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I think the thing with Ida, what it comes down to is, like, I, like we said last episode, he stands out because he's not a one-note character, you know? There you go. The way he's introduced is not the one-note. The, the way he behaves afterwards is not the one-note. He's very much the competent, very rule-based, but he's also not the most competent character. There's a lot of competent characters in this, in this series, as we'll see. But yeah, so... Moving on, we're going to go to the rescue training part of the arc. Oh, finally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Which is where we, um, 
where we get to see some one of my favorite scenes of the mo- of this volume is where the characters are um are interacting with each other and we also get to see um Asui as Dekukozo or Tsuyu as she insists on being called. Yeah, many she's the one that many has started reading the series for. Which yeah, okay. I mean what I really it's she's basically her quirk is we find out a little later on, but she kind of has she kind of has a very froggy look to her. And not in a bad way. You know, a lot of times people will say, Oh, they look like a toad to make them to make it sound like, Oh, that's an ugly person but She's more like she's more like one of those little green frogs that you see like you know that you see in the rainforest the sort of like the green or colorful frogs the ones that kind of look just you know these cute little frogs right you know they're not the poisonous ones right well yeah no not poison well she is poisonous well not really poisonous but anyway the point is it's very much you know cuz i mean you've got toads these huge fat warty disgusting things and then you've got frogs, these little kind of cute little jumping amphibian things. You know, she's more, her design is based a lot more along those. You've got like Toad from the X-Men, who's very much warty and disgusting and has all the powers of a Toad. Meanwhile, you've got Suyu, who she has the powers of a frog. And it's the kind of frog that doesn't look like a horrible, disgusting, warty thing. It's more like Hey, this is the kind of frog that I would keep in my in a little aquarium as a pet. Do not keep fifteen-year-old manga girls in aquariums as pets, people. What? What is it? What? I don't know. I lost track. I lost track. Of please don't. Please, please don't keep frog girls in the aquarium. This yeah. Is yeah. I'm pretty sure they would kick your butt, especially to you, because as we find out later on, she may be one of the more capable characters. So. If you tried putting her in an aquarium, she would break the aquarium and then she would kick your butt. I'm not even sure where I was going with this. Anyway, moving on. She would kick your butt with her feet, though. Yeah, or... <laughs> okay, sorry for the image, guys. Yes, please, no more. Don't think about that. But anyway, so she points out that... So she's... I guess what we're trying to say is she's a fan favorite and there's reasons for it. And so she's very much the, uh, yeah, so she points, yeah, she does. She, she points out that, um, Deku's quirk resembles All Might's a lot. And so the others are like, ah, nah, it's not really. I mean, All Might doesn't break an arm every time he uses it. So it's different there. And then they kind of, you know, they just have the different characters talking. We get to, um, See what's his? I can't remember his name, but he uses his. He he has a hardening ability. You mean Metapod? I mean, sorry. Um, yeah. More com, more useful than A-Girl. that. Eight year old. I forgot his other name. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he can. He basically he become. You know, he can harden himself and be immune to damage. And then, of course, we have the one dude with the naval laser. <laughs> I just love his. Re- he never changes his expression, but you can always see what he's actually thinking. And then, yeah, and, I, and then of course it's Suyu that says Bakugo is so unhinged he'd never be popular. And Bakugo's like, "What'd you say, Frog Face?" And she just she doesn't even react. She just points and was like, "See." 
And then, of course, Buck, this is the scene where Bakugo gets the, gets, bully, gets the crap bullied out of him. Well, I feel bad for what's-her-face that's having to sit next to him. She looks like she is not having a good time. That's beautiful. Yeah, she's just like, ugh, why? But yeah, so they end up in the, at the USJ. It's the Unforeseen Simulation Joint, where the Space Hero 13, who Uraraka is a huge fan of, has put together all these different uh, natural disaster training areas. <clears throat> and so... He basically explains how, okay, the point is, all of you have quirks that could use, be used to hurt people. Now you're going to learn how to use it to help people. Um, and then, uh, before they're able to do that, unfortunately, a creepy mother ends up coming through a hole in space and time. Well, a hole in space, not a hole in space and time. Heaven forbid he can time travel. But he ends up coming through a hole in space along with a bunch of other villains. And... I absolutely love the design for this guy because he's basically he's basically covered in dis in um in severed hands. Everyone meet Facepalm Goon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like he's always annoyed. But yeah, it's yeah, his face, his head, his shoulders, his arms just all being clutched by these severed hands and Here's the funny thing, here's funny at the very beginning of the volume, um, you know the little author's notes is it? Hori Koshi just starts with the very first sentence, I like drawing hands. There you go. Yeah. You go. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, wait a sec. Uh-oh. <laughs> what does this mean? And he's, yeah, he's like, oh, what is it? Hands. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, on the flip side, drawing hands that aren't expressed is especially tough when there's nothing to go on. For that reason, there's one character in this volume who's especially difficult and who had me on the verge of tears every week. And I'm like, gee, I wonder who that could possibly be. Wait, who? The guy that's covered in hands. Oh, alright. <laughs> <laughs> what he's saying is he regrets his design, but it's a freaking awesome design. And so, yeah, so we get in a bunch of villains attack, and then Eraserhead says, hey, okay, look, um, 13, you gotta get them, you know, you gotta get them to safety, and meanwhile he goes in and shows off his bad self by beating the crap out of, ever out of you know, a huge group of villains. Meanwhile, all the kids get scattered by this guy that apparently has the ability to use to warp people to different places. And we get Deku, who ends up in the water, and there's a shark man there. A very, very creepy shark man who gets the crap beaten out of him by Tsuyu. Who manages to save him and, uh, okay, what's the other guy? Um, Mineta. Mineta, yeah. Who... Alright, we're going to have to talk about Mineta. Mineta is, well, let's see, as it, as Horikoshi mentions um, <clears throat> that he admits to himself, I'm a perv myself, so he's always fun to draw. But I realize that some of some out there aren't big fans of pervs, so it's hard to find just the right balance. Oh, you know, Oda's a perv, and he still does it. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. it is worth pointing out that, yes, pervy characters are very hard to do in manga, and the reason for it is because being a pervert is not an admirable feature. Already having it, you're already making a character that's in, that people are generally inclined to hate. They have, but they have to have another, they have to have other qualities to them to make them enjoyable, because I mean, there are several, there are perv characters that people like, you know, like uh, Master Roshi in Dragon Ball. 
people like Master Roshi, but he's a complete pervert. But it's like he's got just that right balance of being a complete perv and actually being competent that you feel like, okay, here's a guy that, you know, he has something we can admire, right? With um, a character like Mineta, the problem is that I feel, I don't know, on the surface, the problem is he's kind of useless. You know, that's part of the joke, is that his ability is to pull off these things from his hair and stick them to things, and they become, you know, they stick really long and hard. <laughs> and it's like, they make a joke out of how useless that actually is, but then they actually use it. And, and he's, he's very much a coward, which, again, it's like 15-year-old kid thrown into a life-or-death situation. Of course he's terrified. The problem is is that we're contrasting him against these other two characters. Well, these more than other two characters that are not being cowards about it, which, again, that's a little unusual, but then it, there you go. But the thing is is that you take a neg. The only character traits we really get from him are being a pervert and being a coward and having a useless power that, oh, wait, it is actually useful. And that's where things start to change a little as far as we, can, as far as we think of him. But as far as his introduction goes, he's very much a character where you're like, you're just trying to make me hate this guy, aren't you? You know? You hate him? I don't hate him. Later on, I really... I mean, later on, and this is getting into Volume 3, which we will cover next week, but you get a lot more... You know, you get a little bit more. You get a little bit of it here as well. But it's... It is very much the case of you just feel kind of like you're meant to be predisposed to hate this character because he's a perv and he's kind of useless and he's a coward. And so, I mean, he gets, there are some funny jokes that you get from him and such, but at the same time, you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know this, you're walking a dangerous line and I don't know if you're going to, you know, if this is going to be a character that people hate or they like. So we'll kind of have to see. No. So, yeah. And so, but, yeah, so it is It is kind of fun sort of seeing him be the one where he's like, hey, wait a minute, this is crazy, when you've got Tsuyu and Deku who are discussing, you know, what they have to do. And where they say, okay, we have to fight Mineta. It's just like, are you freaking serious? And so, and, yeah, so we've got, yeah, so we kept between a lot of the other, you know, things that are happening. We also find out that everyone's saying, okay, Ida, you need to get out of here and run back to the school and get help. And Ida has that moment where he's like, I can't just leave everyone behind, but then it's like, no, actually, this is, you know, this is the smartest thing to do. Like, I have to, yeah, everyone's like, no, dude, you need to, you know, you need to go and get some, get help. And so, and then I absolutely, yeah, I love, and then we get the explanation where, you know, where they're going over, okay, these guys may not know what our actual quirks are, and Deku's like, yeah, so you've, got, you know, you've seen mine, you know that I'm basically, you know, I'm strong, and um, Suyu is just like, yeah, you know, I have the powers of a frog, I can, yeah, she can jump really high, she can stick to walls, she can stick her tongue to a maximum of 20 meters, <laughs> and it's like, also, I can spit up my stomach to clean it, and say, and secrete a poisonous fluid. You say poisonous, but it really just stings a little. All we need is a theme song for... Yeah. <laughs> Froggy girl. 
froggy do? Does whatever a froggy can. Oh my gosh, is that your stomach? Oh dear lord, I'm gonna puke. Look <laughs> out, it is a froggy girl. Holy crap, frogs are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, and after, the way. yeah, after that talk, yeah, after that talk about how she's not a disgusting toad, she's a cute frog. And then just like, I spit out my stomach and clean it, and I'm like, oh lord, I'm gonna be sick. Do not ever, ever draw this, I beg of you. He will. <laughs> I don't really know the one. I, I hope he doesn't. I'm sure somewhere out there some fan has drawn that, but just leave it somewhere hidden in the dark places of the internet. I don't want to see it. But, yeah. And of course, Mineta um, just won't let go of the, of the word secrete. I'm like, seriously? That's what's getting you? That she used the word secrete? This would you like a National like Harvard characters. Yeah. It's like, would you like a National Geographics magazine, maybe? That's a callback to um, the movie Kick-Ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Topical. But anyway, yeah. And then he reveals that he can pull the, these round balls off of his hair and then stick them to the wall, and then they grow back. And they're really sticky. And I just love Suyu and Deku's just reaction. They're just, just staring at him. And he realizes, yeah, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Deku tries to like, no, 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 it's it's a great quirk. We just have to figure out how to use it. And and then the way they actually use it is fantastic because Deku uses his, you know, uses his finger flick smash to create a huge like eruption in the water, and Mineta throws in his hair thingies, and then as the uh, villains are drawn in, they get those things get stuck to them. And then they get, they're all stuck together in this huge clump that gets blown up into the air, and I assume they're knocked out. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they managed to get away, and, yeah. So it's, I really like that. Uh, the action scenes in this series are really good. Like, what I like about them is it combines awesome spectacle with giant explosions with clever strategic thinking. Which you don't get so often. It's either all it's all spectacle or all strategy. So you know. Yeah, I don't want to say there's no strategy too much. I think it's getting a bit overboard with it. Yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, we do. Um, then we do get a cut around, see some of the other characters fighting. Don't spend quite as much time because a lot of them are significantly more um, powerful than the um, Deku's group, and we've got. Yeah, we get we spend a bit of time with um. Let's see. Uh, oh, jeez, what are their names? Um, lightning guy and the girl with the earphone. It's fine. You can call them by whatever name you want for now. So yeah. you figure out the names. Yeah. On giving nicknames. Yeah, I them. haven't really been told the. Yeah, they haven't really told us their names yet. So, let's see. I know that we've got Momo, who is her ability is to create non-living objects from her skin. Uh, which she uses to create an insulating sheet that she covers herself and oh uh, oh there it is uh Kyoka herself and Kyoka while um let's see what's his face what's his name should say his name somewhere lightning guy yeah lightning guy doesn't say his name anywhere okay while well, he unleashes his electricity and knocks out all the guys and oh there it is Denki Kaminari. 
Yep, he's awesome. Yeah. We call him Pikachu. Yeah. You'll see why. Yeah, the thing is, is that when he, normally he can just, you know, channel it along his skin, but he, when he unleashes it, he can't control the direction. It just goes everywhere, but he uses so much electricity that it fries his brain for a while and he becomes a complete moron. <laughs> so I absolutely love that. And also for people that are reading, this is also one of the few moments in this series where we have a where we have a fan service scene, which, compared to some other shonen manga, I have to say, that that's showing a lot of restraint. So thank you for avoiding it for so long. Oh yes, that's amusing. Yeah, it is kind of amusing how the speech bubble. text bubble. Yeah, how this. <laughs> no, don't curse them. <laughs> but. No, it's use. It's very, it's very amusing how normally it's you know this thing that censors is some sort of physical object that exists in the world there, but in this case it's just nah text bubbles. I'm just gonna put the text bubbles in the way. And I'm like, okay, that's uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I can't believe I haven't ever seen anyone else really do that. Or when they when when the manga goes raw, then they put the text bubbles in front. It's like. Seriously, Makima has too much fun with this. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, there is a certain level, there's a certain level of admiration that I have for manga artists that do fan service but manage to cover, cover, censor it in creative ways. So, you know, it's always kind of, it's always kind of clever, I think, the way they do it. But anyway, we finish up the volume where we find out that, yeah, so... Ida manages to escape, but meanwhile, Racerhead is being, you know, is being taken out by this giant beast dude who's got his, like, brain exposed. And, yeah. And then the, what's his face? The main, are we given the main bad guy's name? Oh, yeah. Shigaraki. Where we find out that his ability is to, you know, he can corrode things by touching them. And you get this really creepy scene where he reaches and he's about to, you know, grab Tsuyu's face. And it just pauses on him, just about to touch her face. And she's just kind of frozen there. And then it turns out that Eraserhead is, is um, blocking his quirk, but not for long. And then Deku jumps and he's like, no. He's like, just this huge tense scene where he's like, gonna like punch the crap out of him, but then it turns out that the big beast guy, Nomu, jumps in and completely yeah, Deku's punch does absolutely nothing. Huh. And then we end the volume with All Might appearing, saying Fear not, I am here. So He looks really upset. He is pissed as heck. Like, yeah, he's, he's angry, so yep, so overall this volume, it Pretty much, it covers a lot of really great stuff. Um, There's a lot in here. It's just hard to cover, even in just um, was it one hour? Yeah, one hour. It's like, uh, yeah, we've gone over everything. We, tr we can't really even go into all that much depth, but we, you know, we got we covered as much as we could. I really like this. Just based off of the first two volumes, this is definitely a series that I would recommend to um, I'd recommend to pretty much anyone. Um, especially to people that want a series that's, you know, that they can enjoy um, without having to worry about, you know, excessive fan service and such. 
where this is a series where it doesn't over, you know, it rarely ever does fan service. It does it every once in a while, so naturally that would be the time when someone would walk in on you reading it saying, oh, what's up with that? And you're like, it's one panel in an entire volume. Why are you well, making like, a big you deal? You say, hey, 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 go away. I'm, I'm reading something really awesome. Yeah. And if I give you a when you come back, you just say, go read whatever you're into. That's, that's not as good as mine. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, anyway, it's My Hero Academia continues to be a definite recommendation. I absolutely love this series. It's it's definitely one of the strong contenders of the new generation of manga, which as, you know, with Nardo ended, with Bleach on it ending, and with who knows what's Bleach up with One Piece. on its way to still ending. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, yeah, definitely a huge fan of this. Highly recommend it for anyone that hasn't picked it up yet. And if you haven't picked it up yet, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> I mean, seriously. But anyway... And I think for now that will wrap us up. Next week we will go over Volume 3. And so for now, if you have any questions or comments and want us to read read your question, uh, send an email to burninglizardstudios at gmail.com or go to our website, burninglizardstudios.com and leave a comment on the... Uh, and leave a comment on the podcast episode as it is posted there or on Twitter... Burning Lizard, at Burning Lizard, as, as it were, for Twitter. Send tweets, um, hashtag Manga Marathon, and we'll look into those. And if you have any questions or comments, we will read them on the air and answer them there. And if you are listening to this on iTunes, please uh, rate and review. Let us know what you think. Um, give us five stars, I beg you, or get, actually do give us the amount of stars that you feel we actually deserve. So, you know, and I think that about wraps it up. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, Mo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Volume 2 would be what you're saying would be the one again to. Volume 2 is actually for me where it really starts to ramp things up. Yeah. And <clears throat> the one, the, the, the part of the series that, that actually people get, really starts to get people into it is the um, the next arc, I believe, that comes after this. The, uh, um... Uh, it's called the Hero Olympics. That, that one. Yeah, that's a pretty... Yeah, I, I just pretty much said what it is. I'm not, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I mean, you, you think about what you think it's about. And right there, that's actually what people got, got people really into. That's what actually elevated this series into um, high status from, the, from that point. I mean, it was already doing good, but... Yeah. The, the readers in, in um, Japan were like, oh, this is really good. I liked it. Yeah. I think the thing with, um, the thing with Volume 2 is it's where we get to see you know, what this series is going to be. We get a bit more, we get a lot more action and we get to see more of the other characters and so, because, I mean, Volume 1 is very much Deku's story. This is mm -hmm. still Deku's story, but it gets expanded upon. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I think that about does it. So we will see you all next week. <laughs>